Well, uh, we started a series last week, last week called The Choice to Rejoice. And if you didn't hear that message, I encourage you. While we're starting out this series, go listen to it and catch up with us. I mean, you'll, you'll, we're, we'll, we'll recap a little bit and uh, you'll be fine tonight. And you always will get what you need when you come. But it will mean more if you get uh, everything that came in the past. So if, if you didn't hear last week, go listen to it. Watch it on our website. And um, that'll be a blessing to you. Let's look at Philippians 4.4. 4. Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. always. When is it always? Let's say it. When is it not always? Is there ever a time then that you should not rejoice? We should be rejoicing all the time. So is there a time that's like, nope, this is the break. From 6.15 to 6.30, every third Tuesday, no need to rejoice. Always rejoicing. Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. In the Amplified, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in Him. Again, I say rejoice. Right there, you can see that Amplified will bring out different nuances of the different words. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Delight and gladden yourselves in Him. So we're supposed to be gladdening ourselves in Him all the time. So there wouldn't be a time where we weren't supposed to be glad. There's not a time when, well, it's sad day, right? It says, gladden yourself, delight all the time. Let's look at uh, Peter, 1 Peter 1, verse 6. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, Though it is tested by fire, has your faith ever been tested? Every person, if you've walked with God, it'll be tested. Now, I mean, God's just testing it, you know, like a, some cosmic game. Your, your faith will be tested just by being here on the earth. This is, a, this is a fallen world. This is not the way God created it. It's, there's still remnants of its beauty. I mean, you go to the ocean, you go to the mountains, you see different parts of nature. It's beautiful, and this is fallen. Imagine what it looked like to begin with. We have no idea. But we live in a fallen world. We live in uh, a curse-filled world. We're not cursed, but there's curse in the earth. And just walking around in that, you know, you don't see God with your eyes, your physical eyes, but you can see His fingerprints everywhere. You can see his handiwork. Even in its fallen state, it's beautiful. To think all of it just happened, it takes more faith in something to believe that than just to say, somebody made this. This is obvious. You look at a baby, you know. They have one back there. Uh, you know, when you look at a little newborn baby, to say, yeah, that, that's just, eventually everything just popped together and, you know, two eyes aligned and a little nose in the middle and two ears all perfectly. Yeah, that just happened. Really? Have you ever walked down the street 
and you know you just see you, you see decay and deterioration somewhere you know somebody has not been taking care of something right but to say just for all this time after not doing anything boom and boom 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 baby really that doesn't even that doesn't even make any sense well you know but there's millions of years I don't care how long if I let my grass grow at home I was gone for two weeks on vacation when I came back there was a lot of grass and it was not kept up I mean the place looked already two weeks is already and we cut it right before we left but it rained a lot when we left then we come back and you know there's grass up and some weeds fortunately a lot of weeds <laughs> better than bear but you know still got some work to do on my lawn but I'm working on it and if you don't work on it, it just gets worse but you know you, you believe that boy just and a human being comes out really okay well that's not what God's Word says but um in this world there is his fingerprints all over of a creation but still it's fallen and so your faith will be challenged in this world as you walk around you're gonna see people that don't believe in God and if you listen to them you'll start swaying that way you, you might have challenges that come God's not bringing things into your life that are negative Satan is the author of destruction but there can be things in this world that are pressing against you that and then you'll have the enemy whispering in your ear where's God why do you let that happen what's going on where is he how's this gonna work out that's a challenge to your faith Let's look at verse 7 again. It says, That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So even though it's tested, you come out refined and you're still praising God and saying, God, He's true. Verse 8, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory receiving the end of your faith the salvation of your souls so verse 8 says whom having not seen you love though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice even if you don't see God we're still rejoicing we're still delighting in him well, I don't see him, but we can delight in him anyway. And as we delight in him, he will be more real to us. As we delight in him and praise and honor him, he, our relationship will grow closer because we are speaking the word, because we're acting on the word. He's here all the time. But the more we focus on him, the more we rejoice in him, it says, you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now we went over, I'm going to go over a few of these things again uh, briefly, but we went over just some definitions of rejoice and just kind of getting a picture because Paul said rejoice always. Here it says, you're rejoicing. You don't see Jesus, but you rejoice because you believe. 
uh, several meanings, just that there's several meaning, several different words that are translated rejoice, and we're not doing a, a, an in-depth study on any of that, but just all of them together, the different things that are translated rejoice, those mean to rejoice, to be cheerful, to exult, to jump for joy, to boast, to glory. These are the things that mean rejoice. In the King James Version, these are translated rejoice, be glad, greeting, joy, joyfully, to be exceedingly glad, uh, to rejoice greatly, to boast, to glory. These are, when we're talking about rejoicing, that's what that means. In the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, rejoice means to feel or express joy, great delight, or triumph. I like that. To express joy, great delight, or triumph. And we went through a number of, of synonyms and and words related to rejoice, synonyms like delight and glory and joy. These are English words. Um, some words related, like to boast, to brag, those are related to rejoice because rejoice is about being triumphant. Triumphant. Things that aren't rejoicing, to bemoan, to bewail, to grieve, to lament, to regret, to weep, these things are opposite of rejoice. So it says rejoice always, it's not talking about these things, not talking about being negative, not talking about being sad. And if we're supposed to be rejoicing always, then all these words that mean sad, that's, that's supposed to be out of our life. Now, all of us have come up short. None of us is doing it perfect, but we can all come up higher. Amen? That's what the Christian walk's all about. None of us is going to arrive. Even the, the minute before you leave, you haven't arrived. When you go off to heaven, you haven't arrived. But we, just because we're not going to arrive, we shouldn't say, well, no use. Might as well stay where I am. Oh, I messed up. Forget it. No. All of us have made mistakes. Everybody in here has complained. Everybody in here has bemoaned. Everybody in here has felt sorry for, you know, yourself. Okay, well, forget that. Let's go on. How about in the future we do it less? And how about in the future we rejoice more? Nobody has, you know, 1,000% batting average. No, you know, nobody's, nobody's hitting 100%. You know, 1,000, when you bat 1,000, that means you hit every single ball. You know, major league players, if they hit the ball a third, get on base with a, with a hit a third of the time, that's awesome. Somebody has a 400 average, which is... You know, four times out of ten, they get a, they they hit they get a hit. In other words, six times out of ten, they're out. That's considered awesome. Five hundred people do, may they may start out in the season hitting five hundred, but they don't, they don't stay at five hundred usually very long. That means half of the time. Yeah, those are the best in the world. Well, we're not shooting. You know, we're not comparing that necessarily to just. Uh, walking with God, but you know what? Okay, so you didn't do everything perfect. So you haven't batted a thousand. That means, you know, hit everything, every time. So what? Let's get up, go on, we can do it better. So, so we haven't rejoiced always. Nobody can stand up here and say, I have rejoiced always every second I've been alive. Nobody. Nobody's done it. But going forward, we can have a higher percentage. We can say, you know what? I missed it, but I'm getting right back up. I'm going to rejoice. Grit our teeth, I'm rejoicing. Don't let Satan condemn you, knock you around. He's a liar. 
He's just trying to get you to, to shut up and sit down and, if he can, quit. He can get you to quit. That's what he tries to do, be ineffective on the earth. But he's a liar. He's the one that's the loser. He's the one that's, he's not going to end up in heaven. Regardless of what happens on here, if you know Jesus, you're going to be with the Lord forever. Satan, you can read about him. No, his end's not good. He's going to lose. And he is losing. That's why he's so ticked. So just because he tells you, you messed up, well, you can just get back in his face. Talk about messed up. You know what your future holds, buddy? You're messed up. You tried to take on God. How stupid is that? Would you talk to the devil that way? The devil's wicked. You don't have to respect him. You don't have to have any long you know, conversation with him. But if he's trying to talk to you, you can get right back in his face. Say, shut up, get out of here. And well, by the way, on the way out, you're a loser. Because he is. He's going to lose. He tries to tell you how bad you've messed up. Oh, he's messed up way worse than anybody. Don't let him knock you around. Let's look at Nehemiah 8, verse 1. Nehemiah 8, verse 1. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. So what's going on here? Uh, Nehemiah has been leading the charge to build the wall in Jerusalem. And, you know, uh, the Jewish people were in captivity. They've come back to Jerusalem. Everything's broken down. And so they build the wall and got it built in record time and got it built up. But the people are far away from God. They've been away from the things of God and the ways of God. And so right here... This is actually in the seventh month on the first day. This is a holy day. This is the first day of the Jewish year. And it's a holy day. And so that's what's going on here. Uh, they're going to read from the law and read what the people ought to have been doing. Verse 1, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the, the law before the assembly of men and women, and all could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from, morn, from morning until midday. That's a long time. Before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So they're all listening to this. Verse 4, So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him at his right hand stood all these people. And there are a bunch of Jewish names. I'm just going to skip over them. It's like, it's like reading the, begat, the begats here. Anyway, all these people, and then verse 5, are standing with him. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, and then it lists all these other people, and the Levites, 
help the people to understand the law. So they're reading the law and then they're explaining what it means. Explaining what it means to them. And what they should be doing. And the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book and the law of God and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. Verse 9, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. So these people, they've been away from God. They were in captivity. They've come back. They built the wall. Their, their way of life is, is completely upended. They've been away from God, which is why they ended up in captivity in the first place. King after king disobeyed God, and so now they're back, and they have been far away from God. And so they're reading the law, and the people are mourning and weeping when they heard the words of the law because they realize how far away they are. They realize how they've messed up. They realize we're not doing it the way we ought to. But look at the next verse. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. So this is a special day. This was set aside for them to have this, all these foods and to, to really celebrate. And he, they're telling them, You... Don't weep, don't mourn, this is a holy day, go do what you're supposed to do and eat and drink the, the sweet and these things that they make. And, and then the next part says, do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So they're all getting sad and they tell them, no, don't be sad, don't weep, this is a holy day. Don't be sorrowful, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Verse 11, So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and rejoice greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. So they listened, and they went away, and they enjoyed the day and rejoiced. In the NLT, verse 10, it says, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. In the Amplified, the last part of that verse, Amplified Classic, it says, Do not be grieved and depressed. For the joy of the Lord is your strength and stronghold. It says the joy, it says don't be sad. Now that's all the context of what's going on. People were getting sad. And he said don't be sad because the joy of the Lord is your what? It's your strength. In other words, if you're sad, you're not cooperating with God. And you're not going to be in your strength. The joy of the Lord is what makes you strong. Here it says it's your strength and it's your stronghold. Talking about rejoicing. 
Paul said to rejoice always. Well, rejoicing and joy, you know, that same word rejoice, it's translated joy, and there's a lot of these words translated joy. It all goes together. Rejoice is to have joy. We read that. It's to be joyful and to uh, delight. Well, he said to do that all the time. Well, there's a good reason for that. And there's many reasons. One reason is joy, the joy of the Lord, it's your strength. If we aren't rejoicing, if we're not being joyful, what's the opposite of being strong? It's being weak. That means there's weakness there. That means you can start to feel weak. You can be depressed. Look in the Amplified there, it says, don't be grieved and depressed. At the beginning of verse 10 there. Do not be grieved and depressed, for the joy of the Lord is your strength and stronghold. Don't be depressed, but be in joy. Because the joy of the Lord, that's how you're going to be strong. That's how you're going to walk in the strength of God. Look at Psalm 28, verse 6. It says, Blessed be the Lord, because He, he has heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise Him. See, the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Rejoicing in, our, in Him brings on the scene strength. Not talking about a superficial thing, not even talking about specifically physical, although your body reacts to what's going on on the inside. If you're down and depressed, your body, we're all one system. Depression, worry, that, that leads to sickness. That opens up our bodies to being sick. Wears down our immune system. But, but being joyful, it's strength from the inside out. Robust, strong. Look at Psalm 16, verse 9. It says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my, heart, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in show." nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. This was talk, talking about Jesus, but this is in Psalms. Verse 11, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Well, you could say in your presence is fullness of strength. If there's joy there, and it's in the presence of the Lord, there is strength. There is, in the presence of the Lord, there is strength, vitality, vigor, everything you need to be well in this life, to be strong in this life, in body, in mind, your spirit emanating the strength of God. When you are, are tapping into that, tapping into the joy of the Lord is tapping into His strength and His power. Giving in to the opposite is actually tapping in to the devil. It's tapping in to... When you tap into depression, that strength just runs out of you. 
You have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, but yielding to something else can bring weakness. It can be for no reason. You ever heard of people dying? Of what? They, there's nothing physically wrong with them, but somebody died in their life, or their spouse goes on, and they're starting to die, and there's no, there's no physical reason, but their heart's broken, and they're yielding to that, and it brings them down. You ever heard? Anybody ever heard of that? There's no reason why, why, why anything's happening. But it's, it's, our bodies react to what's going on on the outside, or in the inside. Our, our strength, our body actually get. I mean, think about this. When your spirit's gone out of your body, that's called death. When your spirit's gone, your body's done. As soon as the, the spirit slips out of the body like a hand out of a glove, the body's dead. We call it dead. What's keeping the body alive? The spirit. Now, you can try to artificially keep the body just mechanically moving after the spirit's gone, but the person is gone. We know the spirit is what gives life. When we're tapping into joy and rejoicing, we are tapping into the strength of God, the life of God flowing through us, strengthens everything, puts a bright light on our life. The Lord is our strength in His presence. There's fullness of joy, but we have to yield to that. You know, if you are born again, then you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You are in His presence. In fact, God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. That means you're always in His presence. But that's not, your, I mean, everybody in the world is technically in the presence of God, but they're not experiencing His presence, His manifest presence. In His presence, when you are tapping into Him, there's fullness of joy. When, you, when we rejoice and, and focus on Him, and choose to be in joy. There, there is fullness of joy and there is strength there. There's help there. Isaiah 12 verse, verse 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for Yah the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy... You will draw water from the wells of salvation with joy. Everybody say joy. It's kind of fun to say, isn't it? Joy. Joy. Say it again. Joy. Joy. Say it and smile. Say joy. Joy. Joy, 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 joy. The Ramah singers said bad. Didn't you guys sing? They start getting going on the song. Joy, 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 joy. Joy, 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 joy. Did Philip sing that? Joy, 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 joy. You can turn your day around, just start saying joy. Laugh to yourself. Joy. Joy, 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 joy. You should watch that. Go get it on YouTube. I don't know. What's the name of that song? I've got joy. Google that. See, I've heard that for a long time, but it make you laugh more ways than one, probably. <laughs> Depending on the video, if they really get going, people. But you have joy. 
you know, if you just smile, it tells your brain something's good's going on. Even if nothing is, just smile, say joy. I'm going to rejoice anyway. Your brain doesn't know the difference. Psalm 27, 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Well, what else do we know about the Lord being the strength? The joy of the Lord is your strength. The Lord's our strength. One way we tap into that strength is the joy, is rejoicing, is when we feel weak, we just start rejoicing anyway. Oh, man, I don't feel like rejoicing, somebody said. That's the best time to rejoice. You know, uh, <clears throat> when you're tired, it's a good time to take a nap, if you can. If you're tired at night, if somebody were up at 2 o'clock in the morning and they have a normal, and I know some people work at night, they're supposed to be up. You don't want to fall asleep then. If you're supposed to be up working at night. But if you're, if you're supposed to be going to bed in the evening and waking up in the, in the morning, and it's 2 o'clock at the night, and you're going, man, I'm just tired. Tired, I don't know why I'm tired. Well, go to sleep. If somebody really were like just staying up and I'm just so tired, well, that's when you need to sleep. But you know, I don't feel like sleeping. You ever seen a toddler? I'm not tired. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're tired. <laughs> not tired. Don't want to go to bed. They don't talk that articulately, maybe, but they're, no, don't want to, not tired. Yes, you are tired. No, I'm not. No, you're making it more clear by the second that you are tired. <laughs> Every time you open your little mouth, you are convincing me more that what you need is to go to bed. I remember sometimes our kids, you know, they're gr they'd be great, and then right before bed, they just start melting down sometimes, and all, e everything's falling apart. <laughs> okay, go to bed. You just need to, no, but this, no, no. What you need is to go to sleep. It'll all look better in the morning. No, it's not that. I'm just, no, it is that. You're tired. I'm not tired. Yes, you are. I, I don't know how many times, I mean, it wasn't all the time, but sometimes like you're tired. And big kids are the same way sometimes. Somebody's like, oh, it's ever, just go to bed. You need sleep. You need to go to sleep because it'll look better in the morning. You need sleep. Well, sometimes we're like, I don't, I don't feel like rejoicing. You need to rejoice. But I don't, I don't need, I just need it to, no, you need to rejoice. No, I, I don't need to rejoice. I just, it's this, no, you need to rejoice. No, same thing. You need to rejoice but I don't feel like it. That's exactly when you need to rejoice. Like, I, I, don't, I don't feel like going to sleep, but you're tired. Go to sleep. I don't want to rejoice, but that's when you need to rejoice. When you don't feel like going to church, when you don't feel like reading your Bible, when you don't feel like re rejoicing, that's a time we need to, we surefire, we need to get in there and do it. But when we fail the worst, and I just, I don't have anything to rejoice about. I mean, it's just hope. No, now, Help me out, when, how, when are we supposed to rejoice? Okay, this will qualify. But I don't feel like it. Did it say in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice, oh, in parentheses, unless you don't feel like it, then it's okay. Well, why would God, if we, if we are feeling like I don't have anything to rejoice about, I'm feeling weak, what do we know? If we start rejoicing and being in joy, it's not just so we can say, ooh, I rejoice. 
I did what the Bible said. I make all my Christian friends happy. Oh, I rejoice when I wasn't feeling... No, it's their strength that comes into the room. This is not a game. Either way, if there, if there is depression trying to push on you, if we rejoice, we're pushing back and saying, oh no, that will not have any place over me. I will rejoice in spite. <coughs> I will give glory to God. And strength, spiritual, very real strength is there to bring us over. Look at Proverbs 17, 22. It says, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit, it dries the bones. Look at it in the NLT. It says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. A broken spirit saps a person's strength. A merry heart, rejoicing, glorifying God, praising Him anyway. What's rejoicing? To be joyful, to be triumphant, to be in victory. To glorify Him. That's like medicine. That quickens your body. But a broken spirit, what does it say? It saps a person's strength. The other one says it dries the bones. It's like sucking all the strength out of you. Anybody ever experienced that? You start feeling depressed and down and you start talking that direction instead of the other, your strength just will run out of you just like water. You could have been feeling pretty good, but you start yielding to that, and now you don't feel anything. You don't have any strength. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Well, the opposite is true. We can feel completely not moving, don't know why it even go on, What's the purpose? What's the use? I mean, you could feel right really bad. And if we'll start rejoicing, strength is coming with that. It's, it's coming into our being. It is flooding the room. And we are giving access to God for His presence to be manifest wherever we are. And the presence of God with joy and strength can be there and help us over anything. Help us through anything. That's why this is just so critical. It's got, Paul wasn't messing around, and he wasn't just exaggerating when he said rejoice always. Because the moment we stop rejoicing, the moment we're sliding in a different direction. We're letting, we're letting go. Instead, if we'll just rejoice continually, we stay strong. We stay hooked up with God and His purposes. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Paul here, talking about when he was being pushed, 
It says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now, we're not going to go in and teach on this. That's not our purpose. But that is not God giving him some sickness or something to keep him down. Religious taught this. We're, they, this just make this stuff up and pull things from different parts and, uh, quote stuff out of context and everything, and come up somehow that this is saying that somehow, some people will say, uh, Paul had some disease, and that was from God, so that he would stay humble. But look, it clearly says it's a messenger of Satan. God is not joined with Satan. He's not working with Satan. But that's another teaching. Verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And what this is, is persecution. It was the Jewish people constantly come by. A thorn in the flesh, that, that, that's throughout the Bible, it refers to people. In the Old Covenant it said, these people will be a thorn in your side. It's, it's referring to people. These people were following Paul around all the time, and they were harassing him. And he was like, God, take them away. Well, it's persecution. He said, that's what the Lord is answering here. We're not redeemed from that. Verse 9, he said to me, or verse 8, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Verse 9, and he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, notice that, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in, in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs. That, when he's talking about taking pleasure, you'll see this. He's talking, that those same things, other places are translated rejoice. Therefore, he's basically saying, I'll rejoice in infirmities. Now, he's not talking about being sick. He's, infirmities means weaknesses. He's saying in weaknesses, not because of my weaknesses or any weakness. He's saying in the middle of weakness, I'll still rejoice. He said in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. Then he said, for I, when I'm weak, then am I strong. But notice he just got done saying, I'm going to rejoice in the middle of it. And then he's strong. Then he's able to walk through. So he feels weak. He feels pushed. He feels beat up. But he's going to rejoice anyway in the middle of it. And he's saying, God's there to help me. And in my weakness, then I'm strong. Because I'm relying on him. Uh, I don't know what translation this was. I just noticed I didn't put the translation. But I don't know if it was amplified or what. But 2 Corinthians 12, 9 in amplified. There you got it. I will all the more gladly, is that it? Verse 9. I will all the more gladly boast in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. It says, therefore I will gladly boast in my weaknesses. You know, we read in the Rejoice, it had some connotations about boasting, saying, I'm rejoicing in this. I will, in the fact... I'm, I'm feeling weak, but in the middle of it, I'm rejoicing through it. Somebody said, well, what if I feel weak? Uh, the Apostle Paul felt weak. He, he was in weakness, but he didn't go by that. The Apostle Paul was beat up and left for dead. 
Do you think you might feel something after that? I mean, he probably was dead. I mean, if they're trying, if you're trying, if these people are trying to kill him, why did they leave him before the job was done? They left him outside the city in one instance, and then they says the believers gathered around and he rose up. He probably was raised from the dead. Well, you think you might feel something? He was rejoicing anyway, and he became strong. Couldn't stop him. But Paul, Paul's the one that said, rejoice always. And Paul was unstoppable. Did all kinds of stuff. It says, when I'm weak, then I am strong. One more, look at Romans 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace through God, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. That's rejoice. Glory, that's the same thing like boast. We glory in the middle of tribulation. We know that there's strength in being joyful. He's saying right here, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we glory, we boast, or we rejoice in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He's saying, we may be in tribulation, but we know tribulation produces perseverance. In other words, I'm not quitting. I'm going to go through, and I'm going over, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. We know that as we go through, we make it through. And then we look, and we know we made it through, and that produces hope or expectation that if we go through again, we're going to make it. And no matter what comes up, we get into the mode where we're rejoicing. We're going to be joyful. And strength, then, is there, unstoppable, unending, God-powered strength. The joy in the presence of the Lord just follows us around. And we know we made it through this and we're going to make it through again. Oh, wow, this looks like something that could take us down. Oh, wait, we already did this all these times and came through. So we're going over again. And joy produces strength through any situation because we're gonna, just going to rejoice always. Oh, something else popped up. Well, rejoicing. And we know there's strength there and there's expectation there and we're and ultimately... There is victory there. Always. Always. Everybody say always. 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 Every time. Yeah, but it doesn't look. Paul said, in the spite of it, I feel weak, but I'm going to rejoice anyway. I'm going through, and when I'm weak, I am strong. Amen? Praise God.